0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. This is Camel Call Live. My name is Chris Haymeyer, and we are live from the County Seat Sports Grill in downtown Lillington, and tonight we've got a full show for you. Tonight we'll visit with Campbell head coach of our football team, Mike Minter, current co-defensive coordinator and former teammate with him at Carolina, Reggie Howard. But first, we talk to our head volleyball coach, he's the man who brought the first ever volleyball championship to Campbell. He is head coach Greg Gorl, And, Coach, you are already a weekend into this season. We'll talk a lot about the championship. We'll talk a lot about your team and, and what you have built here. But, but, but first, Coach, tell me how things are after your first weekend of action, that tournament in Charlotte.
1: Uh, things are going pretty well. We've got uh, a lot of talent on our team, a little bit younger than last year. Uh, we've got four freshmen uh, all contributing in different ways. Um, but we have to become more consistent. But we're playing some really, really good uh, non-conference opponents this uh, this fall that are really going to test us and kind of see if we can raise the level of our program from just being a, um, a dominant force in our conference to being more of a dominant force in the region and on more of a national scale.
0: You have certainly challenged yourself. Your very first match of the season was against Syracuse out of the ACC, and and, and we were all back here in the creek watching it on the stats. That was a very close match. Not only did you take a set, you could have took a couple of more and talking to your assistants, you could have won that against the Syracuse Orangemen.
1: Oh, yeah. they. I mean, they're very talented. They have a, a couple of physical outsides um, from that, are, that have international experience. Um, and – Definitely senior laden uh, with that experience. But we, we started a little slow in set one. Um, we were actually down about eight points. Um, but our team just gathered themselves, they composed themselves. We tied it at 22 and uh, didn't get a few points to go our way, lost 25, 23. But we were right there. And then we felt comfortable um, going toe to toe with them. We knew, we understood what they were doing offensively, and, and we figured out how to score. Um, didn't get it done, but it was, again, a, a close set two. And then we took set three. Um, just uh, the savviness of their international players, scored them a few extra points to give them just, a, just enough a cushion in, in set four to, to take the victory. But I think I learned a lot about our team and the resiliency that we have and the talent that we, we can play with in ACC power.
0: Oh, one of your hallmarks is over a decade now here at Campbell, you have rebuilt the, the, this program that was really in shambles when you took it, took it over is your recruiting. And I know you are excited about who you have, have brought in, and they're contributing already. T- tell us about your newcomers.
1: Uh, I can start with uh, Maddie Converse. Uh, she's a setter from Minnesota, uh, played for Northern Lights Volleyball Club, uh, a national um, power in, in club volleyball. And um, she just she does a great job of running running her side of the court, running the offense. Uh, she provides energy. She's a great leader, uh, great on court presence. Um, she got her hand crushed uh, three points or yeah three or four points into the first set against Syracuse. Uh, so she had to come out. Um, but I like nothing's broken. We got good news today. Um, she should be good to go. Um, and really help us um, add the depth you know, to our setting spot. Um, we've got Gwen Wolkow from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, she's a six foot outside, played for Sports Performance, another national power um, in the club volleyball world. She's got length, she's got power, she's got a great heavy topspin serve, um, can hit from both pins. She, she's done it at a national level. She, like a lot of her teammates, uh, play in Power Five conferences. Uh, So she's she's definitely been ready to kind of step in and help us uh, from the very first point. Um, And then we've got six foot five Allie Clint um, from that's the
0: one that jumps off (laughs) the page when she came into the gym for the first time. I mean, six foot five. You can't teach that.
1: Yeah. And she's a former dancer like she can move. And so kidding. me. Yeah, she can she can move. And so um, it's I mean, as long as we get the ball high enough to her, she can go over the top of people. Uh, she moves pretty well. And again, she's just a freshman. She's going to have plenty of time um, to figure out the speed of the game, uh, how to score, how to how to shut people down. But um, even now, like she's got some natural moves. She can she she did a tremendous job shutting people down uh, over the weekend and, and finding ways to score. So Excited about that.
0: Well, not only do you have these fantastic freshmen, but but you return some of the best players uh, in the entire conference and beyond. You have some of the most fierce hitters and the best defensive specialists that that I have seen in a long, long time. Tell us about uh, this crew that comes back, the defending champs.
1: Well, I can start with our five seniors. I think they bring a great uh, amount of leadership back, uh, a lot of poise, composure. Melody Page is just really dominant in the middle, fast, athletic, bounces balls. And then can fly around and, and um, shut people down um, as a blocker. Uh, Layla Green on the outside is our true like our one true six rotation player. Uh, so she has to do it all: pass, defend, serve, block, attack. Um, and again, like she can she can manage. She she does all sorts of great things for us uh, as an outside. Elise Gross um, has been a consistent. Uh, defensive player for us. Uh, she defends well, um, has a great bullet of a serve, and then uh, really shores up passing when we need an extra passer out there. Uh, Emily Mitter has been a starting setter for oh, basically her entire career here. Um, very under control, fires balls around. And this year, I, like even her defense um, has been better than it was in the years past. And is now, just as a senior, very um, savvy knows what's going on. You can tell that she's just very comfortable out there running the offense. Um, and then uh, Ananda Patterson has been phenomenal on the right side. I mean, she started as a, as a middle, her freshman, sophomore years. We shifted her to the right side. And now she gets more opportunities to play. But really dynamic player. Um, scores a lot and then is a great blocker on the right side for us. So all five of those uh, players really um, kind of anchor um, our upperclassmen. And then the two right behind them, Chloe Cook and, and Claire Ann, are, are just, out, just as outstanding. Chloe uh, was all tournament this past weekend at UNC Charlotte. Um, I think she – there were several matches. She hit over 300 um, and had, I think it was 37 kills, something like that. Um, but, again, dynamic, strong, everything you want out of an outside hitter. And now she's, she put in the work this spring to pass better, defend better. And is and showing out on the court, and then Claire Ann's just ridiculous as a libero. Um, she's got length, she's got athleticism. Uh, she takes up half the court by herself. <laughs> she reads well. She's again played for just a, an elite level club program, and um, you can't hit a ball by her. Like, you know, she has to have her eyes closed for you to, to hit it by her. Um, so I, you know, that that core of seven players has just been outstanding for us, and uh, will anchor our team and really help our younger players grow and and become more consistent
0: we are with campbell head volleyball coach greg goral the the list of accolades are are growing sir longest tenured coach in program history winning as coach in program history you begin year number 10 of course uh, taking uh, this team all the way to the tournament finals in 15 19 and of course last year in 2021 back to the finals hosting the tournament You bring the first-ever trophy in Campbell volleyball history home to Campbell. You've had a a little bit of time to think about it, and and tell me what that feeling was like after all of your and your staffs and the student-athletes, all the hard work over 10 years to put the exclamation point on it with the trophy.
1: It was really emotional. um, It was, like, for – the first nine years of my career, I look up in the rafters and I see banners for basically every sport except volleyball. And um, it was just hard to deal with. And it's like we got to do more, we got to do better. Um, and every year we've just worked our butts off to, to train the players that we have, bring in new players, um, keep pushing them to be better than they were the day before, the week before, the month before, the year before. And, um, you know, for it to pay off in the end was, was really emotional. Like it's, um, it's something that we've been striving for for so long. Um, it it feels so rewarding to actually get it done, and uh, and like just um, it was it was everything. It was everything that we had we had work, worked for for 10 years to put in, and the list of assistants that we've had, the 40, 50 some odd players that have gone through the program since since I started here. Like it, it's just. Uh, it meant a lot to myself, the staff, but also everybody that's associated with the program.
0: Your recruiting has been phenomenal because you're not only getting the, the the best players from around the Southeast, the California connection has really been um, one of the pipelines that you and your assistants have built in, in recruiting. Well, what does it take to convince some of these student athletes from these hotbeds of of volleyball to come from California to Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, literally all the way across the United States?
1: Um, I think part of it is all the unique things that Campbell brings uh, is is something that people are interested in. Um, a lot of players that we get from California and Texas, like they don't have a lot of green. So it's like a beautiful campus. Uh, I don't know if you've been in Southern California. So a lot of the campuses in Southern Calif- California are just cement buildings. Yeah. They don't match each other. Um, and so, when you get somewhere where you got a lot of beautiful trees, you got a, bri- a, a great red brick building, brick walkway campus that's all-encompassing, um, new facilities across the board. That you know, we can't thank our administration and donors enough uh, in helping build like that. That is enticing to to players. Plus, the strong academics, uh, being in a conference where we can compete for championships. Um, all of those little things, and, and being you know pretty sports centric with over 500 athletes on our campus and everybody doing well, like that that appeals to a lot of athletes. And and for us personally on the volleyball side, we wanted players that uh, want to make an impact earlier in their careers. Like we Sarah Kala just graduated, she could have played at a big power five school, didn't want to sit for you know three years four years. Um, she wanted to come in and and, and leave a legacy. And, and that's what she was able to do here. So there's a lot of pieces that we provide in a lot of different areas, especially with the family feel to our campus and, and just all the support we have for our athletes. Um, it makes a big difference when, when uh, players are looking at different schools around the country.
0: Um, no doubt. And they look at the schedule you put together as well. We, we will not be able to see the, the, the defending champs uh, in Buies Creek until the Fairfield Inn and Suites Dunn-Campbell Invitational That's a lot to put on a T-shirt that's going to be coming up the weekend of September 16th. You guys will take on Robert Morris. And then on the 17th, NC Central and the Citadel, all of those um, will be on ESPN Plus. But before that, Coach, tell us about what you have coming up the next two weekends an Indiana tournament at Valparaiso, and then the Kentucky Invitational War. You not only take on Indiana State, but the defending national champions, Wisconsin, comes at you on September 10th.
1: Yeah, I, we wanted to get near Chicago. Uh, we've, we're getting more Midwest kids into our program, so we've got three players from the, the greater Chicago area. Valparaiso is about an hour from downtown Chicago, and so we were able to get a number of those families to the matches, plus Clans from uh, Ohio, and then uh, Maddie being from um, Minnesota and we used to have like Maddie Minor just left and she was from Michigan like we were trying to get a midwest tour or trip in uh, during her career, but COVID kind of cut us short but uh, yeah we wanted we, we like to play at least one time out of region and see teams that we're not normally going to see and and kind of see what things are like so Valpo. Made it to the final of the NIT last year. They're a lot like us. They're, uh, they're very talented. They've got a lot of athleticism. Uh, but they're one of those mid-majors that's just stronger and um, has some tournament experience now. And so I wanted to test ourselves um, with a team like that. Northern Illinois out of the MAC is always a, a good MAC school. Um, and SIUE out of the Ohio Valley, like that's a good tournament for us. I feel like uh, we match up well with all three of them. And it's whether or not we're going to play well enough uh, to, you know, to win win those three. And I I told the team like we can be three and zero, or we could be one and two, zero and three. Like it, it really depends on the mindset that we go in with uh, when we play that you know this this upcoming weekend. And then uh, going to Kentucky, um, obviously like I'm not afraid of playing a few power fives every year. Uh, initially it was supposed to be, you know, we could play Wisconsin or Kentucky. Does not matter. They're both top ten programs. Uh, it's turning out to be Wisconsin, and that's, that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, we played Nebraska in the first round last year, and they they were the finalists along with Wisconsin uh, in the NCAA championship. So, um, But I like playing the Power Fives because, again, they're going to do things that we won't normally see, but that show us what we need to be better at. And, you know, if when we do go to the postseason and we're playing a Power Five school, like now we're going to understand – what we're going to be facing, how we're going to have to score, how we're going to have to defend, and really what we're going to need to do to be successful. So um, getting those tests early in the year um, you know, gives our, our, our school an opportunity to be on a national stage. Like, Had we won a few extra points against Syracuse and won that match, it's not just something that the conference knows about. Everybody in the nation knows yep. about. And so if we play well against Wisconsin, we take a set off of Wisconsin like people are going to notice, and that only helps us, again, with our own confidence, but then in the recruiting cycle and all that stuff. So I'm excited about those matches and those tournaments.
0: He is Greg Gorrell, He is the man that brought the first-ever volleyball championship to Campbell and Buies Creek. You'll be able to see his squad, the defending champs, coming up on September 16th and 17th. Coming up after the break, we shift our focus outside of the gym to football. We will talk to Campbell head coach, Mike Minner, his co-defensive coordinator and former teammate. Reggie Howard will talk about game number one coming up this Thursday. That's coming up after the break. This is Camel Call Live. Campbell football schedule is set, and you won't want to miss the five home games this fall at Barker Lane Stadium. The Camels kick off the season on Thursday night, September 1st, at 6 p.m. versus the Citadel. In October, Campbell welcomes nearby NC Central, plus conference clashes with Charleston Southern and Robert Morris. The Camels close the home season on November 12th versus Gardner-Webb. Season tickets start at just $100. Head to GoCamels.com and click the Tickets
2: tab for more information. Since 2019, the Fighting Camel Club has funded championship-level facility projects, such as Eek's Athletics Complex for Campbell Soccer, a new strength and conditioning space inside the convocation center. This fall, your Fighting Camel Club donations will fund a new sports medicine facility, a new locker room for women's basketball, and a new digital media lab for athletes to work on their personal brands, providing championship resources for Campbell student athletes. That's the mission of the Fighting Camel Club. For more information, go to gocamels.com and click on the Give button. Thanks to donors
0: like you, the Fighting Camel Club provides championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. Over the last three years, donations to the Fighting Camel Club have helped fund facility enhancements and coach-driven projects that have pushed the Fighting Camels to win 27 conference championships. For more information on how you can donate to the Fighting Camel Club, go to GoCamels.com and click on the Give icon. since 2019, the Fighting Camel Club has funded championship-level facility projects such as the EECS Athletics Complex renovation for camel soccer and a new strength and conditioning space inside Gore Arena. This fall, your Fighting Camel Club donations will fund a new sports medicine facility, a new locker room for women's basketball, and a new digital media lab for athletes to work on their personal brands. Providing championship resources for Campbell student-athletes, that's the mission of the Fighting Camel Club. For more information, go to GoCamel.com. And
2: click on the give button. Thanks to donors like you, the Fighting Camel Club provides championship resources for Campbell student athletes. Over the last three years, donations to the FCC have helped fund facility enhancements and coach driven projects that have pushed the Fighting Camels to win 27 conference championships. For more information on how you can donate to the Fighting Camel Club, visit gocamels.com and click on the give icon. The Fighting Camel Club, providing championship resources for Campbell student athletes.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Camel Call Live. We're coming to you live from downtown Lillington, the County Seat Sports Grill. We will be here every Monday from 630 to 730. We want you to be here, but if you can't make it, you can listen to this live stream of this show on gocamels.com and the Varsity Sports app. We'll also have it up on the Camel Call podcast tomorrow at noon. This Thursday night, finally, 6 p.m., the football season opens at home. We are back under the lights at Barker Lane Stadium as Campbell hosts the Citadel Bulldogs. To get you caught up with everything Campbell football, we've got head coach Mike Minner and his former Carolina Panthers teammate, now co-defensive coordinator Reggie Howard. And first, coach, how excited are you now just a couple of days away from the season opener?
3: Very excited, right? (laughs) Um, you, you think about all the, the practices and all the meeting times, and, and now, Chris, we get um, closer and closer to playing someone else and, and kicking off this season, man. It's nothing like the first game of the football season. So we're going to be very excited. I'm very excited to see what this football team look like.
0: You've been here for a decade as well. Do you still get first-game butterflies? Do you still
1: wonder
3: what exactly you're going to see out there? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, every team is different. And, um, you know, us coming off a disappointing season last year uh, with a lot of injuries to a lot of key players. And now we're just trying to get to that point of being able to get back out there and play some great football for our fans.
0: Coach Howard, I'll ask the same thing to you. You are uh, with this team here in its second year, but in a different role—co-defensive coordinator. Tell me about how how that is working, and you have changed really this entire defense, haven't you?
4: Yeah, it's been a, a great experience uh, coming in this year. Uh, we wanted to change up uh, the type of defense we are going to play and be more attacking as a defense. Um, I guess the word Coach Men talks about is being offensive on defense. Um, so we want to give them a bunch of multiple looks and uh, use our team speed and those guys up front to get out to the quarterback and, uh, you know, cover them up on the back end.
0: So co-defensive coordinator, what, what parts of the defense you're running? How is how is that working with Coach Adams?
4: Uh, it's great, man. Me and Coach Adams have a great relationship. Uh, he handles the front part of the defense and I handle the back end with the secondary. And uh, we talk all the time, uh, getting great advice from uh, Coach Minner, uh and uh, just – working together and cohesively putting together a great package. And uh, I think the fact that him and I have a great relationship works really, really well because we're able to, uh, we're very open and willing to listen to each other and find the best packages and the best personnel to put on the field.
0: I already know the answer that the man to my left, uh, head coach Mike Minner, is going to say about this, but I'll get your uh, opinion of it. A darn option team to open up the season. I know how he feels uh, about the option, and we'll talk a little bit of that. But, but wow, welcome to being co-defensive coordinator. All you have to do is, is stop the Citadel, who is a triple option team.
4: Well, you know, the option becomes difficult if you haven't had a chance to prepare for it. Um, our team has been prepared for this since the spring. Uh, we've been repping it, uh, getting our guys different looks that we're going to use against it. Uh, so it's not a sense where we come in and we only got one week to prepare for it. And I think that's what gives a lot of defenses trouble. Uh, but the fact that we've been doing it for so long is, and, and being repetitive about it, uh, we just gotta make sure that we don't get mundane and continue to do the little things right and uh, execute at a high level and everybody do their job, man, and we'll be successful.
0: And so those darn games against Kennesaw State are finally paying off, huh, Coach? All right, you, you, <laughs> you tell me your thoughts on the option. They finally, and it might be because of this man right here, they have finally, that they said they are gonna start throwing flags now on the on the on the chop blocks, the blocks below the knee, that the, they say it's a it's an emphasis this year. One, do you believe that they're going to throw those flags? And two, how do you prepare for something that we see a couple times each year?
3: Well, the first thing is, if we don't see ten flags on the field in the first quarter, I want all the fans to run on the field and get the referee because <laughs> they cheat. They gotta be cheating. Um, no man, uh, this is something that's really good for us. <clears throat> playing those guys is to be able to um, not worry about getting chopped down as a defender. I think that's very important, but I hate the triple option. Um, but like Reggie said, we've been having a long time to prepare for this game, not just five days to try to get it done. Um, we've had five months to get prepared for this triple option team. And So um, this is probably the best prepared football team. Um, the face to triple option. But even with that being said, guys, it is the hardest offense known to man. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be a tough night for our defense. And they got to play great football for four quarters.
0: What can you tell us about this Citadel team? They were 4-7 and seven last year, 3-5 and five in a very competitive SOCOM that they, they seem to be in most games. I don't think they've even decided yet who their quarterback is going to be. What can you tell us about, about the team you'll face on Thursday night?
3: Well, as, as far as the, the football team is concerned, you, again, they're going to be tough. Um, they're going to be physical. They're going to run the football, of course, and they're going to play tough defense um, and when you look at really all the games that they lost, it was one score type games, and and um, they won the last two games, which I think was very very good for them with the momentum coming into this season. Um, so it's going to be a, a a tough outing for us um, Thursday night, and um, we're looking forward to it now. So um, you know, don't don't be um, mistaken that we not ready for this football game. So we we we're going to be fired up on thursday we're going to be flying around and it's going to be a a hard-hitting thursday night football game
0: you've been a part of these thursday nights before we haven't had one in a while it's been either opening up on the road or or having a day game Maybe for some of those that have forgotten, maybe for some of those that have never experienced um, under the lights at, at, at Barker Lane Stadium, what is a night game on Thursday night to open the season? What,
3: what is that atmosphere like in Bowie's Creek? Well, it's, it's electric. It's um, exciting. Um, it's, it's always packed, right? So we love running out of that tunnel under the lights and seeing all that orange in the stadium. Um, going crazy for us as we run on the football field. So the energy that Thursday night fans bring to the table, man, is so big for our football team. And um, so we're looking forward to them fans being in the stands, uh, being loud, and making it very, very difficult for the Citadel Bulldogs.
0: Um, When you think about um, this team, so much returning, so much youth, so special. We talked about the defense. Offensive-wise, you have a new offensive coordinator. You have changed your entire offense as well. I know a little bit what to expect. Why don't you tell everybody what to expect because it's going to be completely different than anything we've seen from Campbell's offense ever before.
3: Well, it it is, Chris, and and I, and I don't know if Citadel is listening, so I'm not going to give them too much. So So what I will say this, guys, is y'all better come show up on Thursday night so you can see this new offense and then you can tell me next week what you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it.
0: Um, Coach Howard, when, when you think about your team and these defenders and, and the veterans that you have on, on the team, what is the makeup of the defense, and, and why do you think it's going to be so special this year?
4: Um, I think what's going to make the defense special this year is you're, we're really united, man. Um, we're a family. Um, I think guys genuinely care about each other. And uh, just thinking back to those Carolina days, man, that's that's what made us good. Like, we always played hard for one another. We was really tough, uh, well-conditioned. And all we did, all we wanted to do was run around and hit people in the mouth. So, for us, that's the way our defense is being built. And uh, we're all about getting somewhere fast and hitting somebody hard, and, and just keep doing that over and over and over again. And um, I think this year, man, we did a really good job of really honing in on those little things and not assuming things, right? just focusing in on every little detail to make sure that we're prepared to be the best thing we can be.
0: Coach, you have told me and, and you have tried many different ways of handling training camp, but one of the first things you told me is your summer conditioning the toughest it's ever been, and this camp was one of the toughest that it has ever been. What was the reason for
3: that? Well, the reasoning, Chris, is that I thought our football team in the last couple of years wasn't tough enough to do the things we needed to do, to be competitive late in the football season. And um, and so we had to get tough and, and not just depend on our athleticism or you know um, depend on some of the things that we depended on in the past. Now we're gonna depend on our toughness. And that's really what separate great teams from good teams, good teams from bad teams is how tough they are. And like Reggie said, when we was with the Carolina Panthers, what changed us from 1-15 and changed us to a Super Bowl team two years later was the toughness that Coach Fox took us through. And, and so, you know, I wanted to go back old school and, and, and um, make sure these guys understand that the only thing that wins um, consistently is being tough.
0: Did you say Carolina Panthers? That is a perfect tease. Coming up after the break, we got two Carolina Panthers they're going to talk about. That 2001 year, 1-15, then we're going to have a lot of fun talking about that 2003 NFC Championship year. We're talking Panthers football, Campbell stuff too, of course, when we come back after the break. This is Camel Call Live from the county seat in downtown Lillington. The Fighting Camel Club provides championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. Donations to the Fighting Camel Club have helped fund facility enhancements and coach-driven projects that have pushed the Fighting Camels to win 27 conference championships. The Fighting Camel Club, providing championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. Campbell football schedule is set, and you won't want to miss the five home games this fall at Barker Lane Stadium. The Camels kick off the season on Thursday night, September 1st, at 6 p.m. versus the Citadel. In October, Campbell welcomes nearby NC Central, plus conference clashes with Charleston Southern and Robert Morris. The Camels close the home season on November 12th versus Gardner-Webb. Season tickets start at just $100. Head to GoCamels.com and click the Tickets tab for more
2: information. Since 2019, the Fighting Camel Club has funded championship-level facility projects, such as Eek's Athletics Complex for Campbell Soccer, a new strength and conditioning space inside the Convocation Center. This fall, your Fighting Camel Club donations will fund a new sports medicine facility, a new locker room for women's basketball, and a new digital media lab for athletes to work on their personal brands, providing championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. That's the mission of the Fighting Camel Club. For more information, go to gocamels.com and click on the Give button. Join the Fighting Camel Club today.
0: Your generous support provides funding that allows an elite student-athlete experience. An experience that helped bring home a record 13 conference championships this season. For more information, call the Campbell Ticket Office at 910-893-1459. Since 2019, the Fighting Camel Club has funded more than a half-dozen championship-level facilities projects. This fall, your Fighting Camel Club donations will fund several new projects, including a new Gore Arena sports medicine facility. For more information, go to gocamels.com and click on the Give button. Welcome back to Camel Call Live, live from the county seat in downtown Lillington. We'll be here every Monday night through May. We're talking Campbell football. We'll talk some Carolina Panthers football with Campbell Head Football Coach Mike Minter and his former teammate, now co-defensive coordinator Reggie Howard. But first, when you come here and see us live, you get a chance to win some stuff. And we've got a four-pack of tickets for... Raffle ticket number seven one one five 568 711 568 You've won four tickets to the season opener this Thursday. They're very excited. You just can't hear them. And now we've got the signed jersey, the signed Campbell football jersey from Coach Howard and Coach Minter That'll go to one of our season ticket holders. Seven one one five five five. 555 Seven one one five five five. 5-5-5, they will get the jersey, thank you. Come win stuff uh, each and every Monday night. All right, I teased it, you guys teased it, we're gonna talk some Carolina Panthers football. You guys both teammates for, I think it was four years total you came in the middle of the 2000 season and then you were there for it all. 2001, the one in 15 season. We'll we'll start there and, and build ourselves up. Going through that, even though you guys are getting paid, going through a one in 15 season, what is that like at the end of the year in that locker room?
4: It's it's horrible, <laughs> horrible. I mean, um, it, it's almost to the point that you just can't wait for it to end. It's like a nightmare that won't end. And then you get to the end, and now you got coaches just you know, going crazy because they're, they're panicking because they can't figure out what's going on. And you got players trying to figure out where their future's going to lie. Um, so it, it was a dreary feeling because even if we were in games, it's just like we found ways to lose games. And it's, uh, the losing became contagious, right? And so uh, it, it definitely was something that we didn't want to ever experience again. Um, so I, I will put it like that. And that was something that fueled us moving forward was feeling like that and never wanting that feeling ever again in life.
0: And you really turned some things, of course, with the new coaching staff that the next year's seven and nine, what, what were the changes? What did it take? I mean, to get from 115 to seven and nine, that's an accomplishment in itself.
3: Well, I think the first thing is Coach Fox. He, he came in um, with a purpose, and his purpose was simply – guys you got you guys are not good enough and since you're not good enough i don't want to hear anything that you have to say and the second <laughs> thing he said is <laughs> is this will be the hardest training camp known to man but y'all guys who make it through you will be champions and that's what he said to us and and uh man we bought into that because we was tired of losing so anything anybody would have said we would have went along with it and um, and that's how we went from 1-15 to 7-9 and 9 is because we put the work in in training camp. And, man, that, that was a tough – we was in full pads every day. Yep. Every yeah. day every in day. full pads. Every yeah. day. And, you
0: know. and I was going to say, you guys must have been hungry because you're telling a bunch of professionals, a bunch of grown men, a bunch of guys who are the best at what they do that they're not good enough. That, that doesn't fly in a lot of locker rooms. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it flew in hours right <laughs> Hey, Reggie, when, when you lose 15 games in a row Chris you you pretty much believe anything somebody tell you so um that that was tough it it, it was tough to live through and and um uh, man you know I'm coming from Nebraska where we don't want you know four we 47 and three you know and then in high school I only lost you know six games and so um elementary school I lost no games and <laughs> and so, I, I, you know, I'm losing way too many games. And I'm like, man, Coach Fox, I love you. Whatever you say, <laughs> we're going to do.
0: <laughs> then the next year, 11-5, and five, NFC champs. You know, it, it was funny because you kind, of, you kind of forget how that year went. You guys were nicknamed the cardiac catch, and you think, oh, that's just something they say because you won a couple of close games. But, but, but when you look back at it and you remember – 11 of those games in 2003 decided by one score. Four were in overtime, including the two-overtime game versus St. Louis in the, in the playoffs. What changed? How did you start winning those close games and going on to an 11-5 and record that year?
4: Um, I would say it came the year before. Uh, that year, that first year with Coach Fox, uh, we really improved on defense. Uh, uh we drafted uh was Pep was Pep yep. one of those guys that yep. we brought in second second pick yeah. overall Julius Jesus Peppers, Peppers. yeah and uh we drafted well and we kept some good guys uh veterans and we came fast physical smart and tough on defense and i believe that year we finished uh number 2 in the league in total defense uh scoring as well um so we set that precedent that we could stop people Uh, And what happened that year is we lost those close games, right? So, we could have easily been, you know, 10 10, 10 games, 11 games won that year, uh, but we lost those close games. So, coming into that next year, we figured out how to win those games near the end of that season, and that carried over to the next year. And so, the next year we came out and played really, really well again defensively, but then our offense picked up, right, halfway through the season. Uh, Steve Smith and those guys caught fire. He became a a predominant uh, receiver for us along with Moussa and Muhammad and our running attack because we could run the ball. Uh, But once we became balanced on offense, man, we really became a really deadly team. And so when you talk about a team that can be in any game defensively, but then we can score running the ball or passing the ball offensively, now we became a threat. And the fact that we can win in close games at the end. So that was our philosophy. We go play you to the end and then we go win it. Because we never really felt pressure. We had conquered that, right? So when we got in those pressure field moments in the fourth quarter, we just looked at each other like, hey, man, let's just go do what we do. So that's how we started to get the name of the cardiac catch because no matter it was overtime, triple overtime, it didn't matter. We were going to still play the same and keep playing hard with each other. And that's typically how we won a lot of those games.
0: You think about that defense, and it wasn't just you guys back in the secondary, but the but but the guys up front. You think of you think a Ruck, you think of Pep, you think of so many guys at every position, so good. There wasn't a weak spot in, yep. in that defense. What what made you guys
3: so special? Well, it's like Reggie said. I think it's the the closeness that we had. We really cared for one another. Um, the off um, the DBs hung out with the defensive linemen defensive line and hung out with the linebackers. And and so we were just really, really close. And we would go out every time we went to any place that we was playing away. Man, we going out together to go eat. And um, all that time that we spent together off the field, I believe, helped us on the field. And, you know, I'd be remiss not to let everybody know that we also got a quarterback that we didn't know nothing about and Jake (laughs) DeLone, right? So before we had a quarterback that – you know, he, he couldn't get it done, right? And, you know, and, and now Jake come in, and we playing um, um, the Jaguars, right? Yep. And, and and we come back to win that game, but Jake gets in the game in the second half, and that's how we um, won the game. And then at that moment, us defensive players knew we had a guy, Jake. Yep. We was like, we can believe in that. And um, I think that was the other piece that, you know, came to the table was the quarterback.
0: Yeah, because you, you guys had the weapons there. Of course, Moose doing what he did, and, and you talked about Steve Smith, who people forget Steve Smith wasn't Steve Smith coming into that year. He was a young guy. That was, uh, was kind of Moose's offense there and, and everything like that. What made Jake DeLome special? Because even when he was winning, you were like, yeah, he's fine, and he, and he just keeps winning. Well, what made him special? How was he in the locker room?
4: I think it's just his leadership, right? You're talking about the guy that you could count on, you could depend on. You knew he was fiery. Uh, you knew he would take chances to put us in the best position to win games. Uh, he made a lot of tight throws, you know, that most guys probably wouldn't take that chance with. So when you have a guy like that uh, that knows that he can have the freedom to, to take chances because the defense go back him up, now you got a team, man, because now you, you don't feel pressure about throwing the ball into a tight area because you're like, hey, man, even if I make a mistake, my defense going to hold me up, you know. And so that was what we had, man. It was, just, was it was just the chemistry. It was just, I mean, if you was in our locker room, you would have never known we was as good as we were on the field because we were so silly and we were always hanging out and just <laughs> having jokes and playing games and all that type of stuff like that. But it was that camaraderie that gave us that chemistry on the field where, man, we just, we just trusted each other. Like, it could be on the field like, hey, Mike, Uh, Mike on me, hey, real tighten up, baby, here come the slant, jump the slant. It didn't even matter, I didn't even hesitate. You know, I I trust him. So if he tell me to do it, I'm going to do it because it's in the best interest of us being the best team on on that field. And so for us, man, I think those were the keys that made us who we were and what made us special.
0: So that team full of so many uh, successful pros and so many fierce competitors. I mean, you you guys were kind of mean out on the field a couple, you know, for for those games and and, and through those years. You guys were silly in the locker room. That's hard for me to imagine.
3: It really is. Uh, You know, we joked joked 24 seven. And I think when you win in Chris, or you going through that moment, you gotta have fun, right? You gotta gotta enjoy every moment that you have when you going through that with that run. And, and, And that's what we did, man. We just had fun every day. But once we crossed those lines, it didn't matter if it was practice or the game, now it's time to get about business. And um, it's time to get serious about playing the game of football. And we could do that. We could turn it on and we can turn it off. Uh, But, man, I always tell people you got to enjoy the ride. You got to enjoy the moment that you're in because you will never get that back. And if you don't enjoy it, you're going to look back what you did And, uh, man, we we enjoyed every moment. We took in every moment. And that's what made us closer It's because we was connected through the moments that we had. Enjoying
0: the ride all the way to the Super Bowl. We'll talk about that Super Bowl when we come back after the break. This is Camel Call Live, back after this from downtown Lillington. Single game tickets for Campbell's 15th football season are on sale now. A reckoning is coming to the creek this fall as the season begins on Thursday, September 1st at 6 p.m. when the Fighting Camels host the Citadel Bulldogs at Barker Lane Stadium at Gorefield. Purchase single-game tickets online at gocamels.com tickets and by phone through the CU Athletics Ticket Office at 1-877-GO-HUMPS. Pricing for single-game tickets for this season range from $10 to $35, with group prices starting at just
2: $10. Since 2019, the Fighting Camel Club has funded championship-level facility projects such as EECS Athletics Complex for Campbell Soccer, a new strength and conditioning space inside the Convocation Center. This fall, your Fighting Camel Club donations will fund a new sports medicine facility, a new locker room for women's basketball, and a new digital media lab for athletes to work on their personal brands, providing championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. That's the mission of the Fighting Camel Club. For more information, go to gocamels.com and click on the Give button. Campbell football
0: schedule is set, and you won't want to miss the five home games this fall at Barker Lane Stadium. The Camels kick off the season on Thursday night, September 1st, at 6 p.m. versus the Citadel. In October, Campbell welcomes nearby NC Central, plus conference clashes with Charleston Southern and Robert Morris. The Camels close the home season on November 12th versus Gardner-Webb. Season tickets start at just $100. Head to GoCamels.com and click the Tickets tab for more information. The Fighting Camel Club provides championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. Donations to the Fighting Camel Club have helped fund facility enhancements and coach-driven projects that have pushed the Fighting Camels to win 27 conference championships. The Fighting Camel Club, providing championship resources for Campbell student-athletes. Well, welcome back into Camel Call live from downtown Lillington. We are at the county seat, where we will be every Monday night from 6:30 to 7:30. This Thursday night, the home opener, 6 p.m. under the lights at Parker Lane Stadium. Campbell hosts the Citadel Bulldogs, one of five home games. Season tickets are still available. Single game tickets are still available. You got to come see them because. Campbell goes on the road for the next two weeks, then a bye week, Campbell won't be home for another month. So this Thursday, September 1st, 6 p.m., Campbell and the Citadel Bulldogs. We have Campbell head coach Mike Minner, former Carolina Panther, along with his former teammate from that sensational 2003 season, now his co-defensive coordinator, Reggie Howard. Okay, you have the fantastic season. You go through the playoffs. After that first game at home against Dallas, you guys are on the road. A two-overtime win against St. Louis, and the Rams were in St. Louis, and they were good back then. You make it all the way to the Super Bowl to face Tom Brady. First of all, what was that like, the buildup between winning the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl? just had to be unreal.
4: Yeah, I would say it was – so, Dallas, right? Dallas beat us in the regular season, and they beat us at home, and, man, they act like they had won the Super Bowl, right? And we didn't (laughs) play well, so – us playing them in the first uh, game, that wild card game, we knew we knew that we could beat them, right? So, uh, we kind of had that confidence going against those guys, and uh, we was able to beat them. Uh, now, going to the Rams, man, they were tough. I mean, you talking about an extremely talented yeah, team. that
0: was Kurt Warner. They'd won a Super Bowl a couple years back.
4: So, our strategy against them was – we're not going to let them go over the top of our head. We're not going to give up the pass. If they want to run the ball, they can run for 200 yards this game. But at that time, we had noticed that Marshall Falk really wasn't a running back. He was more of a receiver. So, that was our strategy. Let's see if Marshall want to run the ball. And it worked, right? They kept throwing the ball, and we kept playing pass coverage. Uh, and we was able to get out of there. And it was crazy because the disrespect, they was already talking about they had won the game. You know, so for us uh, – You know, that definitely was a big-time game because they were so talented. And then, again, after winning that one going to Philly, again, another game we lost in the regular season and we felt like we didn't play our best ball. And we had a good strategy that we knew McNabb uh, had trouble taking pressure up the middle of the field, uh, up the middle of the offense. So, we sent a lot of pressure up the middle and played a lot of man on the outside and uh, played well against them and beat them. And so, uh, here we go going to the Super Bowl.
0: Unbelievable. And then you're in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. You have 14 tackles. You are one of six men to have intercepted Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He has 19 passes and, of course, the TD pass and, of course, the the six wins. Man, the defense did their part in that, did it? What was that like playing in a game like that that you've dreamed of all your life? Well,
3: it's like if you fast forward life, and you just going 100 miles an hour. That game felt like it was like 10 minutes long because everything was sped up. It was like the, the fastest game I've ever seen. Um, guys was running full speed every play. And um, so it was just really, really exciting when you get on the football field and feel the electricity of a Super Bowl. Now, that is a Super Bowl that... Um, a guy dressed up as a referee right so we come out at halftime and then all of a sudden this dude comes on the field and he looks like a referee and he gets the ball and he runs to the middle of the field and he's getting ready to put the ball down and then all of a sudden he snatches all his clothes off and take off running and i'm like what is wrong with the referee what happened to him at halftime we are just amazed at what happened in that and so Um, It was a lot of different things that happened um, in that Super Bowl, man. But Tom Brady, at that moment, we didn't know who he was at that time because we was like, oh, man, all right, we're going to get him. And um, after the game, we gave him his respect and his love because that man right there can play some football. He was not afraid of us. (laughs) He was taking the hits, Um, coming back at us. In the first half, they could not move the ball. They couldn't score. And then in the second half, I don't know what happened. They say it's something about some cheating going on, but I don't know. But in the second half, they had every call we did, and they knew our defense. And they were throwing the ball to the spots you need to throw it to every play, uh, Chris. So it was the craziest Bill, thing. Bill ever. Belichick,
0: so, his team wouldn't. Yeah, wouldn't I, cheat, I, you wouldn't.
3: know that's a that's a theory that's out there. I don't know if it's true. Uh, but you know that's what we feel that they really knew all our plays when we was out there in the second half.
0: Oh, by the way, this man played the second half on a, after the game. You found out it was on a broken foot, right? Absolutely,
3: it was it was the craziest thing. But you know, when you're in the Super Bowl, you don't feel anything, man. You just you just really so excited about playing the game and wanting to win so bad that even a broken foot uh, wouldn't stop you from getting it done. And and um, I remember. Um, the interception that Reggie had and and we was kind of like in a um half field coverage, and he dropped you know he thought um Reggie was going to stay in the flats and he and he dropped off and 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 picked the ball off and I remember running on my broken foot, breaking on the ball like, oh man, I'm about to get this interception and um you know Reggie was there getting it and and then I just jumped on him and and you know hugged him and was excited and and, um, you know, just a great football game, man. It was back and forth all night long. And um, whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. Yep. And, you know, we kicked the ball out of bounds. And, and then they drove down to get the field goal. And um, Coach Fox told us this. Now, this is a story that most people don't know. He told us before the game, he said, guys, look, you do not want to lose the Super Bowl. The reason why he said that is he lost with the Giants a couple years before he came to us. And he said, um, because they're going to kick you off the field and you no longer going to be part of the Super Bowl. And we like, what is he talking about, right? Okay, soon as that kick went through, they kicked us off the field. They got the, <laughs> and the, the police, everybody, escorted <laughs> us off. And, and I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. That's what I went to um, once the game was over. Don't lose the Super Don't Bowl. Don't lose the Super Bowl. It was
0: a, it was a heck of a year, <laughs> NFC champs, and they can never take that away. All right, let, let, let's fast forward. Obviously, your team was, was close. You guys both go your, your separate ways after you retire.
3: you no longer with the Panthers or hey, that. Hey, but hey, hey, by the way, Chris, I mean, yeah. I told him not to leave. All right, all okay? right. Okay, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. I said, Reg, <laughs> all that money ain't good money, so you need to stay here with the Panthers because we still can go do this. and. He decided to leave, so you can ask him about that.
0: Well, I, I won't ask him about that. I'll ask him about when you call him about a decade and a half later and say, hey, I know you were back at your alma mater, Memphis, where he is a Hall of Famer with a fantastic career there. Of course, that's home for you. When you call him and say, hey, what if you come back? What if we do it again? But this time in Bowie's Creek, how does that phone call
3: go? And how do you convince that man to leave home and come here? Well, the first thing is I reminded him the last time you didn't listen to me, what happened? (laughs) Okay, Red. So, this time, listen to me. You need to come to Bowie's Creek and come help me win this championship at Bowie's Creek, man, at, at Campbell University. And I said, Red, listen, this football team and our program is really like what we was like with the Panthers. We just need the right coaches to come in and lead these young men 'Cause we got the talent. That's not the problem. So so I need more me around so, you know, I can't talk to everybody. And you really compared this team to
0: the Panthers, I what mean, you
3: went through there to this? Absolutely. And and because I already know what it looks like, right? And and so I'm telling Reggie this and um, you know, this time he, he paid attention and and um now now that's gonna be the best decision he ever made in his life.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean he's he's Very accurate. Um, uh, He called me up. and He said, man, I I don't know if I can afford you, but I'd love to have you over here. (laughs) And I said, well, man, try me. And, uh, you know, I thought about it, prayed on it, man. And and it it came down to me trusting Mike. Just being honest with you. I trusted Mike. I believed what he said. I came in. I saw the type of bodies he had in the building. And I knew what he was trying to build and what type of culture he was creating. And I knew what we had with the Carolina Panthers because – before we went on this Super Bowl run, we were 1-15. You know, nobody expected us to do anything. So, for me, knowing that he already knew what it looked like to get to that point and where it was to come here, man, I left and I, I told him, I, I talked to the coach from Memphis. He was dogging me, like, you going to leave Memphis to go to Campbell? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, uh, I trust him. You know, I trust him. You know, I love Memphis and this is where I'm from, but this is my, this is my, my brother. And he's telling me he needs me, so I'm going to go out here and be a part of what he's doing. And and he's right. It's been a great decision. And and again, he was right. I chose what was better over the money. And uh, that was a lesson that if I wanted to went to Miami the first time, I probably wouldn't have knew to, to make the right decision this time.
0: Well, we are so glad you're here. We are so glad that a couple of Carolina Panther teammates are back together. He's our co-defensive coordinator, Reggie Howard. He's our head coach, Mike Minter, we are so glad they are here, and we can't wait to see this team this year. Your first chance to see them will be this Thursday night at 6 p.m. It's Campbell's Home Opener. Under the lights at Barker Lane Stadium, Campbell will host the Citadel Bulldogs. Tickets are still available. Season tickets are still available. Go to gocamels.com or call our toll-free number. How about this? 1-877-GO-HUMPS. One eight seven seven, go Humps, and you can get your tickets for it not only this coming game on Thursday, uh, but coming up the five home games this year. Also available on ESPN Plus if you can't make it to Bowie's Creek, but we can't wait to see you under the lights for Campbell head volleyball coach Greg Gorl, who was our guest earlier on Reggie Howard and Mike Minner. I'm Chris Saymeyer saying so long. We had another great crowd here at the county seat. Give yourself a hand. Unbelievable crowd here. We hope to see you back here on Monday night. That'll do it for Camel Call Live. Have a great week, everybody.